Meet Megan. Hi. A professional wedding photographer and professional wedding planner, Emily. Hey there. Together with 20 years experience in planning, designing and shooting all things wedding, they'll discuss how it's so much more than pretty pictures and a fun party. Welcome to Wedding Therapy, a podcast exploring why it is that weddings bring out the best and worst in people and how to navigate relationships and conflicts during the wedding planning process and beyond. Hello and welcome to the Wedding Therapy Podcast. We are back with another quarantine episode, Zoom style. Um, we have a special guest today, Dr. Alan Berger. You may remember him because we did a two-part uh, episode last season that was such a hit. It was honestly one of our highest listened to two parters so we're really oh, excited cool. to have him back yeah i was that's just gonna nice. tell you yeah, and then that's good news Emily. we did a. do you remember we did that giveaway of that book yes yes oh that's we cool. loved it it was so good and then i think the winner who won it she was just so excited so excited oh, so great. well we'll uh, do the same thing with this one we'll we'll do another giveaway on this one that they can get the uh, love secrets revealed book and then they'll get an audio cd on holding on yourself in relationships and the love matters revealed um, oh, wow that thing that zoe williams and i did so there'll be a real good relationship package there oh my gosh that's like the ultimate quarantine uh, yes. mail i love it that's right that's right Okay, well, we'll coordinate with you um, when this airs, and we'll do the Sounds giveaway. Good. That'll be amazing. Sounds well, good. obviously, we're in a different time than we were the last time we recorded. Last time we were in your home office, which was really fun, um, and now we're all at this under the stay-at-home order. And Megan and I were just talking about the mental health impacts that this may be having on people and while we are a wedding podcast um really we're talking about all of the race relational things that are tied into weddings so um we felt like you were the person to talk to right now um just given everything that our world is going through yes and we wanted to talk to you mainly about anxiety and before I ask my first question, Megan's here now, so I'm just going to admit her really quick. Okay, fantastic. It'd be great to have her join us. Yes. Here she comes. Here she is. Live, I'm so sorry. Live and okay. from Wyoming. Here Hi. she is. Hi, Megan. <laughs> Hi. We're, we're recording, Megan, and we were just segueing into our first uh, question for Alan. Um, I kind of was just saying how like, uh, this has been a time filled with anxiety for everyone. And while we are a wedding, um, podcast, mental health is still at the forefront of, you know, why we're doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think before we get into like the nitty gritty, I would love to hear and I know Megan, since this was your question, <laughs> we would love to hear from a professional like what is anxiety like what is happening in our body yeah when we think of anxiety well Does that make sense? well yeah it makes a lot of sense i mean first let's inform megan that we're also recording the video of this megan so you can't make oh, yeah. faces at me you can't stick your tongue out or you can't <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. You sorry, realize sorry. that you're going to be recorded and you're going to show Perfect. up on video. So I just want to tell you that. So so no faces. Don't do a striptease while you're <laughs> on the show. So keep your clothes on and, and just you. be aware that we're, we're, taking the, we're doing the video. All right. I appreciate the Although, warning. Although, if you did some of those things, you'd probably get the highest ratings you ever got. We go viral. <laughs> but we'll, we'll put that on box. So, look, we got to laugh through this thing. If not, okay. we're all going to go crazy, right? I mean, so I'm going to go crazy, to tell you the truth. So, look, let's start out by contrasting fear and anxiety. Oh, because I love Because that. that's, that's an important, there's an important difference that people don't understand. A lot of people talk about them. And in their mind, those two concepts are fused. That when they talk about being anxious, for them, a lot, some of the times they may be talking about being frightened. And sometimes when they're anxious, they may say, I'm frightened when they're actually anxious. So mm -hmm. there's similarities. There's an overlap between the two. Physiologically, it's going to be hard to tell the difference when you're frightened and when you're anxious. Your body's going to be doing a lot of the same things. So physiologically, there's going to be an incredible overlap between the two in terms of the, the different, you know, neurochemicals that are released, the cortisol, your heart rate's going to go up, you're going to go into a fight or flight reaction or freeze reaction. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of that stuff is going to be mobilized, whether you're anxious or fearful, but the difference is an important difference. So fear, and let's define that first, fear has an objective reality, meaning that there is a current threat going on right now. Okay. Right now, we, if you are at all understanding what's going on with this pandemic, there's a fear going on for everyone right now that's in touch with the reality of this. Over 93,000 people in the United States have died. Worldwide, the numbers over 300,000 people have died, perished from this thing. The numbers keep going on. This virus is going to stay alive until there's no more hosts, right? It doesn't care what we think about it. It doesn't care how we feel about it. It doesn't care what we do. The virus has its own existence, right? And it's going to do whatever, what the virus does. It's going to try to find a host and invade into that host, right? And take over that host's body like we see with people. So there is a reality going on right now in the context of our lives that generates fear. Every day I wake up and I feel a certain amount of fear because that's the reality of going on right now. I'm 68 years old. I have asthma. My blood pressure is a bit high. So I'm one of those people that if I get this thing, it could be a real tough course for me if I survived it, and I might not. So the, the, the reality of this warrants us to be afraid. Now, right. the problem is, is that some people have in their heads that they can't be afraid, that they don't want to feel fear. It's almost like there's a rule inside them, and I think a lot of men do this because Feeling fear means you're not a real man. Well, okay, I get it. I get some of the man rules and a man is, you know, real man is strong and tough and stuff like that. I'm a U.S. Marine. I was in combat. I don't know anyone that was in combat that wasn't afraid. Once explosions start to go off around you, bullets are being shot your way, you're going to have a fear response. 
So that's a very normal, healthy response to what's going on. In fact, right now, if you don't have fear, that would be an anomaly. That would be abnormal right now. And that's what's going on. See, some people are in denial about this. And what happens when you're in denial? You ignore the reality of the situation and you act like it's not a big deal. And those are the people that not only put themselves at risk, but if they're infected, they put a lot of other people at risk because they don't want to wear a mask. They refuse to wear a mask. Somebody tells them to wear a mask and somebody goes and shoots somebody over a mask. I mean, that's how crazy this stuff gets, right? Mm-hmm. Now, and that's, that's all part. fear. Is that what you're saying? Well, fear is fear is a healthy response to this thing right now. So that person that's not complying with the mask is in denial about the reality of the situation. That if 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 we understand that we are, this is a together thing. I can't do this alone. We can stop this thing just like we did in 1918. But we got to wear masks. We've got to respect the social distancing. And in this country, it's a hard sell because we're so much into nobody's going to tell me what to do. We had the Declaration of Independence. Why did we say that? You can't raise our taxes. How dare you? Nobody's (laughs) going to tell us what to do. And that's the problem we've got. We've got this part of our culture struggling with their their independence, their defiant independence, and then the other part saying we need cooperation. You know, we need to cooperate with this thing in order to make this thing happen. So that's the dilemma. So being afraid right now is a healthy response. How we manage our fear is 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 the important thing, right? So I manage mine by taking, I wash my hands more than I've ever washed my hands. <laughs> my hands have never been so clean. Or more dry. Or, or drier. <laughs> That's right. That's we right. Were, weren't we just saying, Megan, it was like one of our, or maybe, I don't know, I can't remember who I've talked to, but I was like, is, I never was taught the wash your hands no, with the like yeah. two happy birthday. I'm like, I'm sorry. I missed that day in kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't get that. Nobody gets that. I just went, and I'm done. You know, it's like, but now <laughs> I'm washing my thumbs. <laughs> I mean, I am doing the, the, the full deal here, right? Yeah. <laughs> because that's one of the things that I can do. And one of the ways that I can manage my fear is by controlling the things I can control and mm-hmm. excuse me and you know not get hung up on trying to control the things I can't so I can control washing my hands I can control wearing a mask when I can go out I can control social distancing mm-hmm. you know I can I can control who I let into my world right. right and to be thoughtful about that and to make sure that I let people in my world that I think are also going you know walking through this thing with a with an awareness of what's going on and taking care of themselves that's the kind of stuff we now anxiety yeah is a whole different thing it's really fun (laughs) oh god isn't it terrible i swear i you know someone who's had panic attacks i mean where i've been curled into a ball laying on a bed in a pool of sweat because my anxiety was so high, I, I know the suffering that goes with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you just said something that made me, okay, so there's a physiological thing. So like when I have panic attacks, they're usually in the middle of the night. Yeah. They're usually associated with, well, it's a whole long thing. Our house got broken into, I, it was in the middle of the night. And so I, I feel a physical response. I start sweating, my heart starts racing. So 
is that in my head? Well, or no. Is that I, actually, what? So let's talk about. See, that's one of those things. You actually had a threat. Somebody broke into your house. So there's been a breach of what felt safe before. Right. The house doesn't feel as safe. But here's where, here's where anxiety comes in. Anxiety is when I leave the reality of what's happening right now and I project something into the future. And usually what I project into the future is a very, very catastrophic thing. So it's because of that, we call it awfulizing. When I awfulize like that and I'm projecting this into the future, then what's happening for me is I am generating a panic, right? Or a strong anxiety in myself. Now, I'll give you an example. I've got a client. Um, she's quite depressed. So coming into this thing, she was already struggling with depression and struggling with all those issues. Now, so she's an older woman um, in her probably mid-60s. This is the lament that goes on. And, and she is so anxious about it. She says, I am going to die alone. I will never be able to leave my house. This thing will never go away. And my life will never, will never be anything close to what it was before. So she's taking the now mm. and what's going on in the social distancing and the limiting social contact. And she's now created that as a permanent condition that will happen forever. And she's projected that into the future. So she sees herself in her house alone with no connection to anyone. And when she thinks about that, can you imagine what that might feel like? Horrible, oh, right? Yeah. She starts crying. She starts to get more depressed. She gets anxious. She has trouble breathing because she's living in a future. And what, what happens, and this is what separates us from any other creature on this planet, is, is the ability we have to imagine things. Our ability, our abstract ability, mm -hmm. my ability to, to, first of all, my ability to know that I am I, right? First of all, to know that, right, is just to have a consciousness of myself that no other creature has that consciousness. A dog doesn't say, hey, I'm a dog. <laughs> and my name is Spot, right? I, I can say, I'm Alan. I'm a human being. I know that about myself. I know what that means. Also, a dog doesn't say, I want to be a cat. God, I wish I was a cat. Man, that cat's got a much better life than I do. This sucks being a dog. I got to wag my damn tail to get fed. That damn cat just goes ahead and sits around, and they go over to it. Yeah, not, a dog doesn't have envy. We have envy. Why? Because we imagine. We put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. Now, our imagination is a wonderful thing. I'm not at all. I love it. I think it's, it's great. You're very creative with your imagination, making you take incredible pictures. I mean, because you're able to imagine things. Your work, your line of work, you can picture a wedding and how it's going to go and use your imagination for that. It's a very important thing. But when I use my imagination, to catastrophize and project into the future, I'm doing a number on myself. And now we've got a lot of things that encourage us or, or a lot of, let's say, um, a lot of information that the part of us that 
gets into this awfulizing can use to do even more awfulizing right now. I was just going to say, I almost feel like it's our, or in this instance, during this pandemic, it's almost the fact that we don't have enough information that is causing causing us. Well, that's a good point. We don't know. And now we're imagining. Oh, that's, that's, that's right on Emily. Well, and I was talking to my friend the other day. Sorry. (laughs) Like it's so frustrating. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if this is an actual like psychological thing, Ellen, but do we as humans, like I was talking with my friend about this. Do we try to like fill in the gaps? Is that like a, Okay. I don't know if that's like something that psychology of perception. perception, It's called, we're always going to create a gestalt. And so you're going to always take a situation. If there's incomplete information, you're going to try to fill it out and make it complete. Okay. Even if that's a worse. (laughs) Well, that's where it comes into. So this is gets into a lot of these other things about, you know, what influences our perception and stuff and how, what you know what we know is that your perception is clearly influenced by what's going on in your life in the context like i was going to give an example so for you and i hope this doesn't make you guys anxious so this is just this is just this is just we'll just have a prime example of you having to talk me down panic attack right on right on the spot so emily it would be like if you said there will never be another wedding for the rest of my life and I will have to find a new career. If it would be for Megan, I will never be able to take another picture again. Nobody's going to ever want to have any photographs taken. See, if if you took now in what's going on because both of your businesses have been impacted. Yeah. You guys are not, I mean, you know, you're not doing what you've been doing, you know, 6 months ago. You were slammed. Megan was slammed. I mean, my god. There was no time in her life for anything, right? She right. was shooting pictures all the time. The camera was, you know, starting to become appendage to her face. <laughs> I mean, but but now, you know, you're enjoying yourself in, in Wyoming, I understand. You know, you're mm-hmm. really isolated. I mean, it's mm-hmm. wonderful, you know. And you, and, you know, you're not, you know, you're trying to deal with some people trying to re- reschedule her. But even that's a challenge now because of, like you said, the uncertainty. So now let's tie it back to what you said. You are right on. The more information you have or the more you're able to stay in touch with reality, reality being information, the less you're going to go spin off into your imagination. Mm -hmm. So it was so funny. It's like when I went to Vietnam, as an example, I had obviously some anxiety. I was going to a place in the world where there was combat taking place, Marines were dying, were being killed in combat. Yeah. And so I had anxiety about what that was going to mean for me when I went to that place. I made up all of these stories in my head. Once I got there and I saw the reality of it, yes, there were still threats. I was still afraid, but I saw that there was, I could cope with that. Mm. When I was in my imagination, I couldn't see the coping. Interesting. Would you say though, okay, so you said something earlier that made me think about my job, the thinking ahead and almost like the catastrophizing the future. 
which I feel like obviously has a negative connotation, but I feel like on some level, it's a little bit what I do for a job. I have to think ahead and think, what are all the possible bad things that could happen so that we can like plan and prevent them? So is there some level of like a healthy anxiety? Well, you just brought up an incredibly, that is to me the, determining factor in terms of whether something's going to create anxiety or if it's going to be something that mobilizes your ability to cope. See, we there's a thing called anticipatory coping. So when you, and you're good at this, and see, we should, probably should be talking to you at this point in time. Because <laughs> your job is, is to anticipate all the things that can go wrong and then have a way to deal with it. Right. That's the work you're in. God bless you. Right. I mean, I feel like it's it's inherently different it's, than a pandemic, for sure. Oh, it's not. It's not. <laughs> See, it's not. Trust me. I'm sure that you've seen some of these things go terribly wrong. And then you're in, in there trying to figure out, how do I salvage this thing? Because yeah. look at what you're doing is you're trying to anticipate where trouble can go. And so if somebody says, hey, this is going to be tough in my future, I need to set up a few different ideas about how I want to cope with it. Healthy healthy, do it, do it. If that's, but when you go, Oh my God, look at this future. I can't do anything about that. It's my life is going to suck. That's when you're in trouble. So that's the key difference is not being the suck factor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll call it the sucking factor is if, if you like are there's no there, way out, well, it, you don't have any faith in yourself. Mm. You see more and more in the work I do, I am realizing that one of the issues that causes us so much distress in our life is our lack of faith in our ability to cope with whatever is happening in our life. Interesting. And we don't think of that. That's the last thing we think of when we hit a problem and we're overwhelmed with it. We never ask ourselves, what part of my difficulty is being generated by my lack of faith in my ability to cope with what's happening in front of me? And why do you think that is? Well, I think because a lot of us are stuck with this idea. And I say a lot of us, I'll include myself in this. My lack of ability to cope is in direct proportion to my ability to let go of what's supposed to be. So acceptance. You're right on. Right? Okay. If I'm holding on to, my God, this isn't isn't what it's supposed to be. Life is not what it's supposed to be. You know, this is not what's supposed to be happening right now. And I start to throw a pity party around that. I've now taken any possibility of, of being able to mobilize my ability to cope. And it goes into throwing the pity party and seeing who can, who can I invite to join me in this pity party. I love that you um, just said that basically we have the capacity to do this, but we're putting all of our energy and effort in the wrong place. That's it. That's it, right? You know, it's like we have that, that availability. And look, sometimes people think, well, how can I have faith when I don't have a really great track record with myself? So, you know, one of the things we say is that self-confidence, self-esteem, which self-confidence is a part of self-esteem, has to do with the reputation you have with yourself. Well, not a lot of people have a great reputation with themselves. Yeah. They've seen themselves in situations, they haven't coped with them, but they, they make the false conclusion because that's been my experience that defines who I am. 
-hmm. And that's not true. It defines who they were at that moment, but it doesn't preclude and exclude the possibility that they can learn some new ways, but they've got to have some humility. They've got to be able to open themselves up and say, you know, God, I'm struggling with this thing. I don't know what to do. Let me talk to someone. Let me get some help. Let me see how some other people are coping. But you got to first admit you got a problem before you can do something about it. Right. And humility will let you admit it. If you're prideful, you're not going to admit it. I feel like specifically in this time, like couples who are facing a lot of anxiety in regards to their wedding specifically, I think it's, I'm like a hundred percent agree. Like everything you said feels so spot on. I feel like there's also that, like we touched on it before, most of these people have never had a wedding before. So we're compounding the unknown of like, we don't know what's happening with this pandemic and our government, I mean, everyone's opinions are different, but I don't feel like they've done a great job at communicating everything with us. So there's the unknown of just what's factual, what's happening, but then they get hit double because I mean, Megan, I don't know about you, but like most of my clients, this is their first wedding. So mm -hmm. take a pandemic away and they already have anxiety just because they've never done a wedding before. So they're in that constant imagining the what ifs, I think, which most people I feel like are able to handle or cope with like what you're saying. And I think it's like having a planner, having a photographer who can like help you, but then you add the unsureness of this and it's just, they feel like they're getting beat up on both sides. Well, that it's, and then let's add the other component in that we just talked about, Emily, is that, see, they have a very um, specific vision of what their wedding is supposed to be. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. And you just said that two seconds ago. <laughs> that was, no, no but, but you got to apply it to the specific thing that you're yeah. talking about. And see, so what happens is, is that right. their ability to let go of what it's supposed to be or what they've envisioned is not easy because so much you know, this is my moment. This is yeah. going to be this incredible time. And I envision it to look like this and look like that. And that dream gets shattered. We don't know what it's going to look like. So someone's ability to have their, to let go the acceptance that Megan was talking about a minute ago of let go of what it, what they hoped it would be and to be able to appreciate it, what it can be. That sounds simple, but it's not. Because you gotta grieve, first of all, that it's not gonna be what you thought. It's not gonna be that. It's gonna be something else. And that's worth crying over. See, that's one of those things that's worth crying over. So I love you know, that you what, said I, that. what I'd say to couples right now that are on that, you know, in that situation that you're talking about and they had a plan and now they had to cancel it and now they projected it in the future, still not knowing because we don't know. Right. If that's going to happen or what that'll look like. I mean, you know, we're, we're seeing that with weddings and with funerals. There's people that are passed away that can only have 10 people show up at their funeral. Mm 
Yeah. I had no one personally where that happened. They yeah, couldn't have did. one. I mean, it, it's tragic because they want, there was about 150 people that wanted to come to this person's funeral right. for closure. They're not able to get that. So see, we're being confronted with, first of all, that things aren't going to be the way that we want them to be. Period. Just period. It's not going to happen anymore. Yeah. What was normal before is not going to be what's normal in the future. Life yeah. is going to be different. Now, different doesn't mean it's going to be terrible, bad. We can adapt. We can adjust. But we got to let go of these ideas that we need things to be a certain way to be okay and replace that with, no, I need to be a certain way to be okay. I need to learn how to deal with what is. I need to learn how to cope with what's in front of me and appreciate what's available and let go of all of these ideas on what I think I need to be happy. I love that. I think I love that you said it's important to mourn the loss first. I think giving yourself a moment to just be sad and say it's okay to be sad frees you up to then let go and like what you just described, the moving on. You're right on. It allows you to to flow, what we say is to follow the cycle of experience. And the cycle of experience is one of these things that when you allow it to happen, it's hardwired in you. See, it's if, see, let me give you an example of it. Um, you know, right now, I've been drinking some coffee. You guys have probably had juice or water this morning. Well, your body is processing what you put into it. It goes through your stomach, through the intestines. Your intestines pulls out all of the nutrients, if there's any, in what you did. And then it creates urine. Mm -hmm. And when your bladder fills up, you're going to need to go urinate. Now, I urinate a lot more frequently than you guys because my bladder at this point in life is because of my prostate. It doesn't <laughs> hold as much urine. So I have to do it a lot more frequently probably than you guys do. But but what happens is psychologically, I'll be sitting here, I'm not aware of my bladder until it hits a point where it says, I'm full and you need to go urinate. When that happens, it sends a signal to my conscious brain, to my consciousness and says, time to urinate, time to go to the bathroom. So, and this is healthy functioning, right? So I'm, I'm going along, I become aware, I need to go to the bathroom. I think, hey, where's to bathroom. I know where it is. I'm in my house, so I don't have to figure that out. If I'm in a new place, I have to figure out where's the bathroom. I have to use my senses to orientate myself to what's going on in the environment, make contact with the environment in a way to take care of myself. I find the bathroom. There's no bathroom. I find a tree. I go ahead and I urinate, right? That kind of thing. When I'm done, when my bladder empties, do I still think about going to the bathroom? No, I'm done with that. Huh. It's finished. I'm it's so that need is no longer pressing to be satisfied, to be mm -hmm. fulfilled. So now I'm available for whatever comes next. Oh, I, I'd like some chocolate. Oh, I want to go talk to Megan. I want to go talk to Emily or whatever it is. But but I can't do that when I'm preoccupied with what? I gotta go pee. Right? See, that's going to take my consciousness up until I deal with it. Well, same thing here. If I'm disappointed and in pain, I've got this idea things are going to be a certain way. It's not happening. Well, I have the ability to cry about that. 
And mm. to grieve it and to feel bad, maybe even get angry, rant and rave for a while. But if I go through that cycle and I start crying, it moves me towards what? Acceptance. I love well, that. Not going to lie. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. <laughs> and I yeah, totally you, were, you were wondering if you had to go to the bathroom or not, right? Is that what you started to think about, Emily? Oh. <laughs> You're funny, Emily. Not but, sure where you're going with that. I'm glad you didn't talk about defecating because you're in already a stretch on this show. We can't go there. <laughs> Sorry, Megan, you were going to say something really it's okay. No, I was just going to say it's also interesting how that when we don't deal with that thing, so needing to go to the restroom, think about how if we didn't do that, how much it just keeps filling and keeps filling and then you have to like you're you're, you're starting to be like oh my god i i can't even sit down right now to go to the bathroom so bad right but the point it. is is that it's going to impact now the rest of your life like every other Great thing point. until we deal with it Good point but all these other things this grief all this stuff that we're not facing it's just we don't even realize i don't even think we realize and i'm talking to myself here how much it impacts every other area of our life that's right. Exactly. Yeah. It's it, it, if, if we don't deal with it, and this is one of the things that the Gestalt therapists have known for a long time, is that all of this unfinished business, what happens is it gets thrown into a pot that constantly needs to keep, you got to keep the lid on it. So when you, you aren't taking care of things, just like you said, Megan, it was a great description. If I'm standing there talking to you and I have to pee, I can't pay attention to you. I'm not going to be fully present. I might get half of what you're saying, but I'm going to be, be standing, I'm going to be moving or whatever is going to be going on, but I can't be fully engaged. And so when I don't take care of myself, it has a ripple effect. Yeah. It decreases my capacity in every area of my life. Mm -hmm. So I I think that I know you have to go soon. So I, I feel like the entire time we've talked. I've got to go pee now. <laughs> <laughs> You've been giving us tips for anxiety, but yeah. in layman's terms, is there something you could kind of summarize? Like if you're dealing with anxiety during this time, as we all are, these are like the number one, two. Let's go through a few things. So okay. if anxiety is my projecting some catastrophic result into the future, first of all, if I can become aware of that, mm. I can challenge the side of me that's being catastrophic. Because one of the things that you guys heard me in my last talk is it's good to think of not only my relationship with you, but my relationship with myself. So what this means is that I have a part of me mm -hmm. that makes me anxious and catastrophizes in the future. Now that there's a real history to that. Like dad died when I was 11. I felt like I got ripped off. Things are, are you know, the cards are stacked against me. That there's a part of me that makes that whole narrative, mm -hmm. right? And if, and if I give that part too much authority in my life, then I'm pretty much starting to go down the rabbit hole with it. Mm -hmm. So if I can recognize that part of me and I say, I know that that was disappointing for you, but that was the past. I'm going to learn from the past and I'm going to deal with the present. Mm 
And that doesn't have to be my reality today. I can have a lot of influence in terms of how I cope with what's going on and how to deal with it. So I can start to create space between me and that other part of me that catastrophizes. That's at one level. That's a little sophisticated. You know, a lot of times you need a therapist to help you learn how to do that stuff. But I'll give you some more practical things. Okay. One is, if you're anxious, bring yourself back to the moment. And how you bring yourself back to the moment is, is take your awareness and focus it in on right now. So become aware of the room. Mm-hmm. Look at the colors on the wall. Really see the colors. See the illumination. Where is it coming in? How, look at the shadows that it creates. Bring yourself fully to this moment. If you're in front of your computer, really take in the computer bring your full attention to the right this moment. Anxiety can't exist in the moment. It can only exist when you leave the moment. So the more you become present to now, people do this by paying attention to their breath. Mm-hmm. You know, one or the other thing is they teach that square breathing, breathe into the count of four. Some yeah. people say six or seven, but my age four is about as far as I can go <laughs> and hold it for four beats and right. then exhale for four beats and then breathe in for four beats take yourself through that cycle. Mm-hmm. Another thing that happens with anxiety is we start to hyperventilate. And so when you start controlling your breathing, even in, in a lot of people aren't aware of the hyperventilation, but a lot of the physiological, like the tingling in your finger, the lightheadedness all comes from a hyperventilation. People experience that and they get more anxious. Oh my God, I have a heart attack. I'm having a heart attack. I've got to get to the ER room. They go to the ER room, they get all the tests, nothing's wrong with them. (laughs) Yeah, literally have done it. Literally, ER was like, "Mm." I'm like, but what about this symptom? And he's like, no, it's probably anxiety. (laughs) Right. Right. That's what happens. That's what anxiety does. And see, so if, if I learn how to just some of these very, very basic ways of managing things, mm-hmm. if I come back to now, another way that I've used that helped um, this, this, especially I'm thinking of this one gentleman I worked with for a long period of time that was going through a very challenging situation. And, you know, part of the anxiety is imagining this threat. We talk about fears. There's a real threat. Then we talked about the imagined threat, right? So that's where the anxiety comes in. Any threat's going to be cause fear, and imagined threat's going to cause anxiety. So what I did is I kept going, and let's now work on your ability, your faith in yourself to cope. Let's go through some of the worst case things you can imagine, that you lose everything. Well, what could you do in your life then? Can you find a way to be okay? Well, you're going to be... 60 some years old the minimum is is you're going to get 2800 bucks a month from the government well the government all takes away social security well it's unlikely but let's talk about that what would you do well he's he had a million dollars in his savings how long could you live on you see what i mean if you take the worst case scenario and you say well then you start to take your now what i call our ability to think through a problem and figure out how to cope with it can help us manage the part of us that's saying, oh, this is terrible. Oh, this is terrible. We're never going to be able to be okay. Yeah. The good news is, is we as a species, you know, human beings are remarkable 
in our ability to cope with things that you can't imagine a person could cope with. Yeah. Our resilience our, is pretty amazing. Yeah. What's that? Our resilience oh, is pretty amazing. Our resilience, our ability to adapt, our ability to embrace suffering and, and be the phoenix that rises out of that suffering is remarkable. And see, this is part of what people have to let go of, is this whole idea that life should be easy mm. and that life is about being happy. I mean, these two things in perfection, you put those three things in a, in a kettle and mix them together and you got a real problem on your hands. I mean, they really do because they, they all undermine our ability to be present to what is and what we need to do. And that'd be the last thing I'd like to leave everybody with. Give yourself a break right now. I want you to give yourself a break all the time, but right now, really give yourself a break. You know, good enough is better, is okay right now. It's sometimes it's the best we can do. And don't set any high standards and expectations for yourself. If you get out of bed and you're able to fix yourself breakfast, it's a great day. I mean, you don't need to add anything on top of that. I mean, people that are struggling with what's going to happen in the future with their weddings, you know, realize is that this is, this is the first test you guys are being as a couple. And it's how you cope with this that's going to determine the quality of your relationship. Don't see this as a problem. See this as an opportunity. As an opportunity to really work on dealing with stuff that's going to happen because this is just going to be the first of many things that aren't going to go away that they're supposed to. Yeah. And the more and the more I can exercise my ability to be able to respond to what is and develop that flexibility and creativity to cope because there's some really cool things that are going on. Like, you know, I've got a two-year-old and a seven-year-old and the school thing is is just totally i mean it's i for can't, my, for my I can't one, even imagine for my seven-year-old it's 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 you know a travesty i guess would be the word it's dismal you know they send homework uh, you know that we have to do with her um but we've become the teachers she's she tried zoom she's got a tutor right now hopefully we're going to get face to face with the tutor but this is a little girl who's got moderate attention deficit disorder you know maddie she just is moving constantly all the time and with her energy and some hyperactivity in addition to that we found out that she's dyslexic mm -hmm. so that now when she's trying to do these reading things the poor little thing is struggling terribly Aww. and because we're not at school which we were, had an iep set up so it's really track but we're having to find ways in that to deal with that creatively so i really love what jess did the other night you know sporky from toy story 4 i saw the picture on facebook i loved it mm -hmm. he went ahead and they made a bunch of sporkies mm -hmm. it was they had so much fun together mm -hmm. yeah so her, her smile was huge <laughs> wasn't it yeah wasn't it so it's really cool stuff like that that we're able to discover you know um and and to have things, you know, to, to share things like that. We spend time in the yard looking at insects and catching lizards oh, and right. letting them go. And, I mean, that's all stuff that in our crazy life before, we wouldn't be doing that kind of stuff together. Yeah, that's true. So true, true. when you let go of what it should be, you can start to appreciate what it is. Mm -hmm. oh, that's amazing. I love it. <laughs>
Thank you so much. Every time we do this, I leave like feeling so good and hopeful. <laughs> yeah. And even, and even better because I, I don't send you an invoice for, for the session. <laughs> I was just going to say, oh well, my God. You get, I cried. <laughs> it's like, my God. <laughs> Uh, well, I know you have so many things to get to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Um, I, you, I know people are going to just eat this up and it's oh, going to feel really good. So. You know, they, they, I'll just put in a few plugs for a couple other things. So if, yes. if people yes. go on Vimeo and they type in my name and um, they will pull up, we've now done eight of these sessions me when i say we've done me and tom rutledge a therapist in nashville who's a very good therapist we're talking about fear and anxiety during this time and and we talk about it for people in recovery but the stuff we talk about is much more general than that it's for anybody that wants to get some ideas on how best to cope with things um so please you know you know i encourage your listeners to tune into that I'll if they go to Vimeo. yeah, yeah I'll I'll find it yeah, find it and then you can put the link. You can I'll see there's a link you can share. That would be great. Yeah, would be great. and in the details of this episode. We've just decided to open source a lot of things as a public service right now. So we're mm. doing those things as a public service. I've got another um, uh, thing on there about unpacking Bill's letter on emotional sobriety. I did with Herb K that we posted. We were wow. going to put that out as a DVD. We just decided to to open source it now to just support people that are in recovery. So on, and one final thing on Thursday nights, one more plug, we have an emotional sobriety anonymous meeting. The first meeting I started this when this whole thing started, it's, it's like a 12 step meeting. Although we don't have 12 steps, we just talk about emotional sobriety. We're working on the 12 steps, but it goes at seven o'clock on Thursdays. That's Pacific standard time. The ID for that meeting, it's a Zoom ID is 330-149-513. password, 375-986, 375-986. It's an amazing meeting, so come okay. in and if you wanna hear people share, you can just come in and listen. You don't have to participate. I love that. We'll put all of that info in case you missed it. Um, I'll put all the info in the episode notes um, so that it'll be easy, easy to copy and paste and find for listeners. I love that. And also, I just want to point out um, the, the tip he gave on bringing yourself to the moment. We actually have a meditation, a free meditation. It's um, one of our episodes of season two, and it will, it's a guided breathwork that will literally do exactly what you've just said. Perfect. So if Perfect. you aren't sure, that's a great place to start, I feel like. That's a much better alternative, although Xanax works too, but try this <laughs> first. And there's nothing wrong if you need to take a Valium or Xanax during this time. I love it. You heard it here from a doctor. <laughs> But try that first. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Um, you have you a great too. week, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wedding Therapy Podcast, brought to you by Tasteful Tatters and Megan Christine Photography. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We always appreciate hearing from you. Leave a review. It only takes a couple seconds. 
For more, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wedding Therapy Podcast. And you can always email us at weddingtherapypodcast at gmail.com. Crunch, crunch, crunch. It's so loud. <laughs>